0: Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of NextUp. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter.
1: One of my all-time favorite business frameworks is the Balanced Scorecard. And I was first exposed to this concept at business school many, many moons ago, um, the very same business school where it was invented. The Balanced Scorecard was developed by Robert Kaplan and David Norton at Harvard in the early 1990s. And it's more than a measurement system. In fact, it's a management system. It's a strategic system. And in their book, The Balanced Scorecard, translating strategy into action, Kaplan and Norton describe the balanced scorecard as a necessary move away from that over-reliance on financial measures. And according to Kaplan and Norton, because financial measures report on the past, They offer an adequate story for industrial-age companies, but not information-age companies or even meta-based companies these days, right? And in in this newer era, organizations must create future value by investing in customers, suppliers, employees, processes, technology, innovation, and ONS culture. So a strictly financial approach clearly is for managing organizations, it's not enough. And it doesn't capture that landscape of the business, both, you know, present and future. Evaluating organizational performance is in a balanced manner on the parameters that influence your business becomes so crucial for better management and longer term sustainability. So there's four pillars that you're, you're gonna see in a balanced scorecard. There's financial or stewardship, which is your traditional, right? Financial performance, your top line, your bottom line. You know, how do you use resources effectively? Manage expenses. You know, how do you drive growth, both from a sales or revenue and then a bottom line perspective? Customer and stakeholder, pillar number two. Customer value most importantly, satisfaction and or retention. And I would also lob in their diversity, you know, within your, your customer base. You know, you wanna, you know, you don't want all your eggs in one basket, if you will, from a risk perspective. Internal processes, pillar number three, operations, right, efficiency, quality. And then this fourth pillar is what we're gonna zone in on today, from an investment perspective, organizational capacity, or learning and growth. And that focuses on human capital, the diversity thereof, infrastructure and technology, are you continually leading the edge, right? Future faced, and then culture. And you're gonna hear us talk more and more when we refer to culture in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and I'm going to call it, you know, DEIB. The the EIB. There are some groups that even add on an A for accessibility, and some that add on a J for justice or social justice. But we're going to hone in on DEIB. So long gone are the days where the success of a company is solely measured by its financials. Now, the most successful of investors, and you're going to hear that today, are carrying over the same approach of prioritizing DE and IB aspects and in their investment strategies, most notably that fourth pillar, again, which speaks to culture. And we're hearing even more that in your strategy, it needs to be embedded in boardroom discussions like, you know, board committees are now expanding beyond just compensation. They're now being uh, broadly focused on all that is DEIB. And then, hey, guess what? The stock price too. And we all very know that the company which embeds DEIB into its strategy, into its culture, and into its very DNA, they will be exponentially more successful. So we're going to laser in on that fourth pillar today and the role it plays in successful investing and delivering social impact, not just that dollar-based ROI. So we've got three incredible leaders. One of our incredible leaders is gonna share how she and the foundation she works for invests in the private market by investing in for-profit and non-profit organizations that are providing solutions to address the racial and gender inequities which exist. They are delivering social impact globally. Another of our leaders is going to share his experience in the public market and how he and his firm, again, provide guidance to nonprofit groups such as ours. In fact, we are probably a client of them and how to invest responsibly in the market when it comes to all fronts from an ESG perspective. And lastly, one of our members and partners has served in an investor relations role for her corporation where all things ESG and DEIB regularly play a huge factor in their overarching strategy and in their quarterly earnings calls. I'm Sarah Alter. I'm your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast and proudly the CEO and president of Next Step. And I am joined by Peter Holopchinsky, CFA, CPA, CFP, Senior Wealth Advisor at Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors, LLC. Orne Kong, Senior Director of Accounts at the Altria Group Distribution Company and former member of their Investor Relations team. And Deborah Schwartz, Managing Director, Impact Investments at the MacArthur Foundation. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. So glad you are here. Sure. <laughs> All righty. So, um, Deborah, we're gonna kick it off with you. Please tell us about your personal and professional journey, and you know what brought you to this journey, other than you kindly accepted my invitation.
2: Thank you, Sarah, and it's of great course. to be here. Thank you for the kind invitation and this um conversation, the opportunity to just explore some of the different aspects of how you bring racial equity and gender equity into the the world of investing. Um, My my journey began in the same city where I work and where I have worked for a long time, which is Chicago. Um, And I had family that was really dedicated to uh, civic engagement and social justice. So I think uh, one way or another, that just found its way into my mindset. And I began working um, mostly in social service type organizations, working with women, transitioning from welfare to work, um, women who are coming out of domestic violence situations, trying to rebuild their lives. And somehow in the middle of all that, I decided I should go to business school instead of law or policy school, which was sort of the logical place for someone who cared about social policy. And that was before there was the term impact investing, before social entrepreneurship was something that people talked about. But what I realized looking back is I was always interested in that intersection between markets and money and mission and impact, profit and purpose. I was really fascinated with the ways in which organizations of any kind needed to have sustainable business models, needed to be resilient, um, needed to be positioned to innovate and to solve problems. So that's how I got uh, into this work. But I spent five years as an investment banker. Uh, I worked as the CFO for a child welfare agency. So I'm a hybrid working in and out of the public private nonprofit sectors. And I've been at MacArthur for a long while and absolutely love the world of impact investing, because it is problem solving, and it uses the power of finance to unlock Uh, impact and change that would not otherwise be possible. We've been doing impact investing for 40 years
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, at the foundation. We've deployed close to $800 million of our capital toward impact investing. And we've just seen the power of how this capital used in a flexible and risk tolerant and creative way can really drive change.
0: Yeah,
1: I I loved you when we've been chatting, you know, in preparation for the show, I loved when you used the term catalytic. Yeah. It's catalytic. I I I love that. And um it's funny when I, I I just celebrated my fifth anniversary here in in Leading New, which became next up. And when I started, you know, I I shared with the board, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna run this like a business with a very strong and passionate mission or purpose to your point. And it's it's like I greatly appreciated, hey, you need margin to deliver mission. You know, you need investment to deliver mission. and you know, just so in awe of just the global impact that you and the MacArthur Foundation have been able to deliver. It's just it's fabulous. Um, Peter, slightly different journey here. Tell us about why you're here today, other than like we are a client and you can't say no to me, okay? No way, but yeah, fire away. And and they've done a phenomenal job managing on our behalf. Thank you, Peter. Go ahead. Thank you, thank you, Sarah.
3: <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't think of it. Um, yeah. Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be here and excited for this conversation we're going to have. Uh, my journey. Uh, I, I work at at CLA Wealth Advisors, and we you know provide wealth management and advising to a wide variety of clients. And I kind of, I zone in on specifically working with nonprofits and helping them invest their reserves. And when we can, and certainly prefer tying those reserves in with their mission to make it, you know, investing with a, with a purpose, give it more meaning. And of course, still be great stewards of that money and still earn a return so that organization can go do the great work that they do. And and not get in the way of that. I like Deborah, you know, kind of kind of was inspired by this idea that, you know, capitalism and investing, you know, you, you learn about Milton Friedman in business school, and it's, you know, everything optimizes for the shareholder. But now there's this, you know, new and emerging thinking, which is terrific and it's stakeholder thinking. There are employees that we need to think about. There are clients, you know, vendors. There's a whole ecosystem and I think we talked a little bit in the pre-production meeting, you know, some of these companies that have been earlier to embrace kind of this way of thinking have have done really well. So it's not just a do good strategy. It can be do good for the bottom line as well, which is terrific to make it a lasting impact.
1: Yeah. And it's to your point, it's like, we, we've always driven success, like profit sustainability from that external focus, right? I need to, serve the customer. I need to drive more sales. The internal focus was always operations, expense management. And now we're saying, no, 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 no. Add in that DEIB lens and strategy. It's a two-step process, but it will drive success even more exponentially, you know, greater. And so I I, I love that you, you referenced, Mr. Friedman. Um, so Orn. last but not least, your Senior Director of Accounts at Altria Group Distribution Company now, but you were part of that investor relation team. And so sh- share with us what brought you today.
4: Yes, I'm so excited to be here and part of this discussion as well. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Of my career at Korea started about 14 years ago. Uh, my background is mostly in finance, uh, corporate tax strategy and business development, some brands, but yes, Sarah, um, prior to stepping into this role in January of this year, I spent the last three years in investor relations, helping the team prepare our earnings calls, our investor presentations, and really engaging with the investment community. And I would just say that um, to your point on this balance scorecard, you know, of course, with being a Fortune 200 company, Uh, investing, investing in public companies, folks are going to number one, look at the financial returns and the ROI, but it's definitely become a much needed, much more balanced scorecard. And we have over the last few years truly ingrained, um, from a, um, standpoint of progress, um, and disclosures and actions as part of really weaving that into, um, our communications and our earnings calls to investors. Um, on all these fronts, on progress, on environmental, social, and governance. And um, I'm really looking forward to sharing um, how we've been able to do that, our journey over the last few years. Um, and also, you know, tria Group, we have operating companies that manufacture and sell the leading tobacco products. And so when you think about that, right, being in that industry um, and, and that category in itself, we have a very important vision, and that vision is a transfer our, uh, transition our smokers to smoke-free products. And so I think we'll get a little bit more into this conversation, but, you know, clearly knowing purpose, mission, and then all the progress and actions being taken by a public organization on all these fronts, um, is, is, is definitely ingrained for us and, and, and a priority for us.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not just about, you know, selling product or service and making money right? It's about serving our customers. It's about, you know, supporting our communities and and society in general. So yeah, I love how you position that. So Deborah, you have this fantastic like impact investment framework. I'd I'd love to have you share that because I think it really shapes it across all three different perspectives that we're going to be sharing today.
2: I'm happy to do that, Sarah. Excellent, um, thank you. Usually, we we have the the um, added piece of a visual because I have this handy chart, but um, we'll <laughs> see if I can um, make it work uh, go through the the joy of podcasting well, and radio.
1: And we'll and we'll get we'll give everybody the link. Like we'll yeah. make sure to get that link from Deborah. So then that they,
2: way, other people have their charts. My chart, I don't think exists on a link yet. But Oh, that's, that's a good thing.
1: Well, yeah. maybe then. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> okay. um,
3: so no <laughs> because
2: we we use it a lot. So first, let me just say what I think the definition is that's agreed upon as an impact investment because the terminology in this space, ESG, um, uh, in which you just kind of referenced and sustainable yeah. and responsible and eth- ethical. And we use this catalytic thing. You know, it's, it's a lot of, of different labels and it's a very blurry space and there are no bright lines between them. People are sometimes saying impact is the umbrella for all of it. And some people are saying, no, that's sustainable investing and impacts a subset. So we shouldn't sweat the details on that. The main thing about an impact investment is it's an investment that needs to be made with the intention of generating positive, measurable, social and environmental benefits. So alongside a financial return. Mm -hmm. And that could be a market rate. It could be a market beating investment. And it could be like a lot of the investments we do. It could be very unusual and custom and gap filling and concessionary. Um, So that's a spectrum too, in terms of the risk return. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Impact
2: investments are sometimes thought of as only concessionary, that you're always going to have a trade-off and have a subpar financial performance. Um, But that is not the case, it it is not also the case that it will always be superior financially. It's like all investments. There's there's a range. So intention is the key, that you're not just doing something to kind of feel good in a general way, or you just like a company for how they are uh, treating their employees. Impact investing is actually trying to deliberately get in there and move the needle. Um, There is this framework that the impact management project Uh, created through discussions with hundreds of investors around the world, and they basically have an ABC approach. A, avoid harm. That's what we call negative screening. So it's screening out um, the old sin stock uh, concepts and also fossil fuels today. Many folks are trying to actively divest. Um, B is benefits to stakeholders, it's it's what um, we were just talking about with stakeholder capitalism. It's a broad idea. It is often called ESG, environmental, social, and governance. It's A lot of that is in the public markets, but not exclusively. But it's looking for pro-impact uh, type investments. So how can I invest in a company with good diversity practices, with good uh, climate-friendly practices, good labor uh, practices, good governance? Um, But it's not necessarily trying to solve a problem in the world. It's just trying to be a more beneficial company. Mm -hmm. And C is the sort of deep end of the impact pool where we live. Um, And there are investors who do impact investing where they still prioritize financial return. Those are called finance first investors. And then there are folks like MacArthur and others that have the opportunity to be impact first investors where we say we want to work on housing. We want to work on job creation. We want to help small businesses of color. Mm-hmm. We want to support disinvested rural areas, economic development, education, health. You know, it's a huge gamut. International development in emerging markets. All mm-hmm. those things are challenges where capital is not flowing in the way it needs to, and so we lead with the impact, and then we structure the investment around that. And in the best. Um, Cases, we are catalytic and we help other investors find their way into the market, too, and we unlock impact Mm -hmm. that wouldn't otherwise be possible. So we sometimes quite simply say we are trying to be but for investors, Mm -hmm. but for our capital and our role, a whole bunch of other things can't happen and we're bridging a gap. So that's the the deep impact first work, but we need all the forms of capital
1: to be Mm -hmm. out. Absolutely. And it it clearly suggests that you have that longer term perspective, right? You're you're willing to invest over time, you know, be patient. (laughs) patient, (laughs) Patient,
2: flexible, risk tolerant. That those are ingredients that allow us to take that problem-solving approach. And yes, many of our investments, most of them actually, over 200 of them that we've made, they tend to be about 10 years. They tend to be in private um, enterprises and funds, so they have limited liquidity. They're pretty unusual in terms of what an ordinary investor might do.
1: So on the flip side, Orrin and Peter... (laughs) The market's not always patient, is it? <laughs> so, so Peter, you know, talk to us about that. And and I know we're going to get into how you and the C-suite team at Altria have been positioning yourselves for the market appropriately, you know, with how you've invested. Um, but Peter, talk to us about, okay, what are you looking for then? Because it, 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 you know, I mean, God, look at the market as it goes up and down every single day, Right.
3: Exactly. And that's where we, you know, let's like, think of it maybe as a dual mandate. So for the, the organizations, the nonprofits that I serve, we need to, A, be fiduciaries of, of those funds. We need to do what's in the best interest of that organization to earn them an appropriate, you know, risk adjusted return that they're looking for.
0: Yeah.
3: That is absolutely a mandate. And that's going to, you know, serve that organization well so they can do their good. And then on on the other mandate, and this is becoming more and more common, which is fantastic because the tools keep getting better. Um, how do we invest those funds? You know, we could just pick a basket of stocks and and hope for the best. We could kind of follow the market, or do we start to get a little more intentional as these tools have allowed us? And and for next up, uh, for instance, you know, we can we can introduce some scoring that Deborah alluded to. You know, it's not necessarily going to have the impact that a private market impact investing would, you know, you could say it's not enough, but it's starting to be part of the solution for these organizations that don't have, you know, the dollars to to, to make individual private market investments, but we want to be intentional with our, you know, public market investments because we need to stay liquid to part back to that stewardship. So, you know, companies that have a great diversity policy and management programs, companies that have uh, you know better than average percentage of women in the workforce and in leadership roles, um, things like that, and we can start to uh, you know as the as the market you know starts to move more towards that way back to that scorecard idea, there'll be more lasting change. You know some of these proxy votes are starting to come into view where the these vendors these providers will say we will vote our shares you know that you hold kind of with us, we use, you know, yeah. a sub-advisor yeah. to start trying to make some of this change at the, at the corporate level and not just signaling.
1: Yeah, no, so Orn at Altria, it's clearly a, a longer-term and ongoing strategy, right? For, for sure,
4: Sarah. I think um, going back to some of the, some of the things that Peter mentioned that, you know, are being looked at as Let's go back and anchor ourselves to what's going to have make us sustainable, right, and that all goes back to our vision and harm reduction and then what are what are we doing and what are we disclosing that holds us accountable to that and So what I would say over the last several years is we've been very intentional about setting aiming points, goals on where we want to mm-hmm. be from a gender standpoint. And updating on our progress towards those aiming points to hold ourselves accountable, making financial commitments and organizations that are making an impact in our communities for racial equity and all these other social programs. And so when we put those disclosures out there, as well as, um, you know, these are not mandatory, right? These We are holding ourselves accountable to taking action and making a true impact. And so we've been ingraining all of this and integrating all of this as part of our earnings calls. If you think about traditionally traditionally for public companies, it's typically just about the financials and the earnings calls, right? right. And we've made right. a point, made it intentional to underscore and make sure folks, investors know, right? I think it goes back to Peter's point about this dual mandate, if you will. If, if you want to be known for taking action on what's going to make your business sustainable, longevity, um, these are the actions that you're showcasing and truly then making an impact and not just, um, you know, showing the accolades or whatnot, but by putting the monies and showing that that the, our company's investing um, also and in holding ourselves accountable, I think that's, that's part of the evaluation from an investor standpoint and lens, not just the financial piece, but it's, it's, it's that culminative piece of, of, of all of that
1: impact. What are the SEC requirements? Like, is any of this required by the SEC? Like when there you go you, to your <laughs> metrics that you've referenced, which not all companies share. Yeah, yes, yeah, there are yeah. certain
4: requirements that we, we list, of course, that we have to abide by by SEC on climate disclosures, um, environmental, but, um, what I think is interesting is who are the companies that are going above and beyond that on from exactly. a disclosure on transparency. And I know that for Altria, we are going above and beyond that in terms of our actions and disclosures in, in, in all of those areas from an environmental, social, and governance standpoint. Um, Peter talked a little bit about proxy and boards. Um, if you just think about, look at what board committees? I think you mentioned this earlier as well. Exactly. What are they focused? What's your board diversity look like? Right, right.
1: starts um, there too. You
4: know, those are just easy things that you can look at, and companies will will you know will either share that. And what are who are the companies that are uh, going above and beyond from a disclosure standpoint to
1: offer that transparency? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we are going to take a short, short commercial break, grab a fresh cup of coffee or tea. I want to thank everyone for listening in to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can always check us out at nextupisnow.org for more information on Next Up and all of our great discussions. We'll be right back.
0: For over 20 years, NextUp has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and And in the next, members of NextUp gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities, get best-in-class leadership development opportunities, and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI&B and leadership. Join NextUp today. Visit nextupisnow.org membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org membership.
4: Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us.
0: There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual
1: life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at
0: 1 p.m. Eastern
1: Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Well, welcome back
1: everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Peter Holopchinsky, CFA, CPA, CFP, Senior Wealth Advisor for Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors, Orne Kong, Senior Director of Accounts, Altria Group Distribution Company, and Deborah Schwartz, Managing Director of Impact Investments at the MacArthur Foundation. And in today's discussion, We're focusing in and around strategies for investing for impact, and particularly with a DEIB lens in both the private and public markets. So, um, Deborah, let's dive into, you know, advice and guidance if we have, you know, an organization or even an individual or another foundation that wants to invest to deliver impact right Mm -hmm. beyond Just the financial metrics, um, what are some of the tips you'd provide them?
2: Well, the good news is there's just more and more opportunity. And as Peter mentioned earlier, there's opportunity that's arising in the public markets and in the private markets where we focus. Um, There are a couple of just big categories I would highlight and also some organizations and resources for people to visit. So one big category, just a basic building block is called the Community Development financial institution world, the CDFI world, which is a mouthful. Been around a long time, MacArthur and others have helped invest in banks and loan funds all across the country, credit unions. There are a thousand of them today. They're certified by the US Treasury Department. There's a website at Treasury. There's a network called the Opportunity Finance Network. They've launched a finance justice fund where you can go and support that fund with either grants or investments to get capital into underserved and marginalized communities, Indian country, black and brown communities, helping to finance small businesses, to help bring responsible credit to families and help them become homeowners and build wealth. So. CDFIs, they played a big role in the COVID crisis with the PPP situation. There are banks that are called MDIs, Minority Depository Institutions, that's a designation. And you can find an MDI in your region and make an FDIC insured deposit within that MDI. And there are credit unions that do that as well. Two other things are note, which is a product that is a retail security folks can buy that uh, allows you to invest in a whole range of these community development institutions. Mm -hmm. Another super terrific opportunity is something called the Calvert Community Investment Note. Calvert has been uh, a borrower from MacArthur for a long time through our program. It has grown, it offers a retail security as well, and it works uh, to finance in the U.S. and also globally in microcredit and other kinds of um, important fields abroad. So that's the biggest um, and most immediate and developed space. But I would also flag venture and private equity as a growing area for especially um, mm. impact around diversity and gender equity. Um, there's an impact managers organization, and it lists probably, I think at this point, about 25 best in class impact funds. Um, but I want to give you one example before uh, when we stop this. Um, One of those funds is Impact America, and the MacArthur Foundation invested in their second fund, which is $55 million, led by a very dynamic African-American woman named Keisha Cash. It's an all-BIPOC team, and they focus on entrepreneurs who are people of color who have businesses that also will directly benefit and have inherent impact and value for communities, of color that have been historically marginalized. And just one news flash from this week, Goldman Sachs just led a $20 million round for Care Academy led by a very dynamic black woman entrepreneur who got her early money from the Impact America Fund. And they actually led the last round, the Series A, and then springboarded that uh, Care Academy business into the position to get this Goldman investment. And when we talk about catalytic, that is exactly uh, mm-hmm. what we're aiming to do. So, Impact America Fund has a super interesting portfolio, as do all those other impact funds on that um, Impact Manager's site.
1: Oh, God, all great examples. And then our very own Chicago based First mm-hmm. Women's Bank. There's First Women's of, Bank
2: First of Chicago,
1: Chicago. Bank. right? We yeah, have right.
2: Chicago Community Loan Fund, which is uh, led by Calvin Holmes, really dynamic, African American a national leader in this whole world of community development finance, financing childcare centers, health clinics, affordable housing, so many good things that need that but for peace to be able to get mm-hmm. on the ground.
1: Fantastic. All right, so Peter, you, you referenced it earlier. The, the great news is we can have an informed investment strategy now more than ever. And Orrin's gonna share you know, how they've brought that to life within Altria, but what are some of these tools that you reference that you've leveraged, you know, that, that others either at an individual or an organizational level can access?
3: Sure. And it's, yeah, it's becoming, you know, more widespread throughout the industry, which I think we talked about earlier, which is wonderful. And so it, it kind of, if we go through the evolution of it, it started, you know, if we say ESG, environmental, social governance, is kind of the the broad catch-all. There were these, you know, funds that would invest in public stocks and sometimes mm-hmm. um, fixed income as well under this kind of broad umbrella, right? Companies that scored better in those areas broadly, um, maybe you enhance the positions in that fund, maybe you de- you detract from companies that didn't score as well. And then the next evolution has been. Funds, you know, that you can go look at, uh, you know, with ticker symbols that that trade in the public markets that are more specific issue, right? So now we have enough of an asset base. It's still it's a fund. It needs to right make a profit for its for its company that's putting it out of say women in leadership fund, right? So a specific industry, the NAACP uh, enhancement mm-hmm. fund. You know, there are funds like this that you you just with your own brokerage account you can go and find these funds. Um, and the nice part is, as you know, like Deborah was talking about earlier, there hasn't been necessarily a concession in performance. In fact, in many cases, it's been the opposite. Investing in some of these mm-hmm. strategies, yeah. you, you've beaten the market in, in many cases. Of course, you know, every, this is not financial advice. Every investor needs to do their own research, consult your professionals.
1: Exactly. Oh, you know. my goodness. We should have prefaced the show with that. Thank you for saying that. We are not providing any stock tips or financial advice, (laughs) just advice and guidance on the process you might take when you go about making those decisions. Exactly.
3: Everyone has a different situation. I know.
1: I know. Oh God. I'll close it with that as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And then kind of what we do with clients is we can even get a little more granular. So we use a vendor that we can say, okay, they have this, they have this menu. What is important to us as an organization, right? These nonprofits that I, that I partner with. And we can create individual stock portfolios, you know, that are customized down to the individual position. And we can say, you know, each company in there is in there for a reason, right? There are companies that aren't in there that aren't in there for a reason. And again, tailor it to risk metrics, right? We don't, we don't, we're not, we're not doing this to, you know, we have to stay within that dual mandate framework of we need to earn a responsible return. So kind of it can it, it has enough risk management tools where we can kind of safely um, do both things. So earn that return and you know kind of overlay this value scoring as we see fit. But
1: just capital, right? Impact what are those tools? I know we talked about them like in a prep session
3: sure yeah there are there are you know numerous firms that are doing these scorings to like what Orrin was talking about some of this is required to be disclosed right by Mm -hmm. sec regulated public companies some of it's not so the data is sometimes a little fuzzy and you know that's where we get maybe differences in what this firm is doing a scoring versus this there's different indices Um, but that is you know as more and more companies like Altria kind of voluntarily disclose, there is a little peer pressure that's put Mm -hmm. on and the data will just get better and better over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, like if you're working with an advisor or you're working with a firm, they clearly have access to these scoring tools. They have access to this, this information, but you know, bare minimum, Google it, I'm sure you can find it, right? Like that's the beautiful thing. You know, you can find anything now with Google. Mm-hmm. Um, Orin, let's shift over to you. Cause I want I want to dive more into, okay, from the corporate perspective, right? You know, you are clearly positioning yourself for the market. You know, let's talk through some of the more specific, you'd mentioned your um, aiming points, correct? Um, let's talk through some of the more specific metrics and then reports that you're publicly sharing, and that really puts you under the microscope, right? Because you share a number publicly, you have to have a strategy to answer for why you are or how you are going to meet it. <laughs> and and so let's 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 dive into that.
4: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Altria has made it really easy for me to be able to share these examples, which which I love. I think one thing that Peter touched on is that there's lots of different agencies that rank across the board how companies are performing from an ESG standpoint. And so it's, it's a lot of data out there, and it's not easy to always compare apples to apples. Um, But to his point, the data is getting better, and it's getting better when also companies go above and beyond it from a reporting standpoint. From, um, from a, a racial and gender equity standpoint, uh, voluntarily, you know, what, what Altria has done is we have these aiming points, as you referred to, Sarah, which are goals in which we would like to have um, a certain percentage of our workforce from a, a gender perspective, race perspective, two or more races, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, veterans that as we have that, we have that score, we have those goals shared and then periodically we will report our progress towards those goals. So mm-hmm. it, it really is accountable to, to, to reaching those aiming points. Uh, and so that is not, you know, that is not a requirement. Um, and then also there is a EEO one, which stands for equal employment opportunity report that companies are required to um, report, but not required to share um, externally publicly. And we have volunteered to share that as well. And that report also breaks down what it does. It breaks down by gender and race, the makeup of the different professions in your organization. So if you're sharing that you know, year after year, you can also see the continued um, progress made um, across, uh, across that category as well. Um, some other things in terms of, so, you know, that that's a little bit about what's required, what's not required going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. I think another is the actual integration of and underscoring of the the investments that you're making in your communities and um, programs uh, to, to address, you know, racial equity and, and gender equity. And when, in, in 2020, when the george floyd murder occurred um you know we 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 made it very intentional to support our um to support black lives as well as when we stated our support for that in our earnings call we took on a commitment to invest five million dollars in programs in our communities um that helps to address social equity and so and, and and other programs to really um you know help support the development of Black-owned businesses as well, and so it's, it's, it's those kinds of things that I think is pertinent for folks to look across companies' disclosures, whether it's in the earnings call or in their areas of focus from a responsibility standpoint. What actions are you taking? What dollars and in investments are you making in your own communities to to truly make an impact? And so I, I share some of those examples as just. Um, some of the examples that I'm very proud to be a part of you know this company that that I, that's really going above and beyond in these areas and in investment.
1: Yeah yeah and it's it's interesting too because it um, you know like you take like a retail model and um, and oh and worth noting that Altria is a highly engaged and committed partner and and member within next up. So they are practicing what we preach. Yeah.
3: So thank we you. Love
1: Thank you. We love you. Um, No, but another, another partner, Target, it's, 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 you know, it, it happens more organically because they're internally facing in terms of making sure DEIB is embedded in their culture, you know, in their organization, in their strategy, but then they're naturally externally facing because they're a retailer. Right. So they are serving the communities with their stores and products and services for you. It, it, it has to be intentional. Right. You know, clearly from a marketing perspective, you you want to diversify, you know, who you provide your your products to. But it's not necessarily going to be embedded in your strategy. So to me, it's all the more meaningful that you're intentionally beyond that, you know, going above and beyond. Um, Peter in the in the public market are there are there certain industries where you've seen greater progress and innovation on this front like certain industries that stand out and again we're not providing any stock tips here just noting <laughs> anything you could read in an article but certain industries that you would you would point out
3: yeah i think we can even go beyond Industry, I mean, industry is important, but it's it really you got to give those individual companies credit. So even if maybe we think of a, sure, uh, you do know, it. a more a more, you know, uh, industrial age company versus like you were talking about, Sarah, an, an informational age company, it, you know, within their peer group, it's important too, right? because, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Right. Just because
1: uh, no true you know, spoken, you know, yeah.
3: incremental change is the name of the game here. Um, so, you, you know, you can make great strides no matter what industry you're in. Um, you know, maybe some newer companies have, have or smaller companies. Right. You can kind of shift quicker. They're more um, nimble, Yeah. Right. But but, you know, there are individual like and Target is a great example yeah. of their darling. Of, they are you know in the in the vendor that we use they are uh, over allocation right compared to if you would just index um again not financial advice uh you know some of our clients might might have target <laughs> stock you know my compliance uh, officer will be happy i said that um
2: <laughs> and me
3: being based in minneapolis and a proud you know shopper of target we love target i shop at Absolutely. t1 right the first ever target store um you know, great diversity not only in their workforce, but in their board and in their leader, uh, in their leadership, executive leadership, um, and also, you know, they they give away a certain percentage of their profits to good causes, to other nonprofits. And mm-hmm. we go back full circle to what we were talking about at the very beginning of changing from this shareholder mindset to stakeholder mindset. You could argue that you know, pe- people knowing this, they're gonna make them more likely and more willing to shop at Target versus maybe an alternative because they feel like they're doing that little incremental piece of good in their community. And it might end up being good for the, you know, it's been good for the share price as well. It's not just DEIB for DEIB sake. This can be a, yeah. a, a, a dual win.
1: Yeah, no, well, and and, and traditionally, right, we've, we've, we've learned to vote with our feet in our wallet but now we're saying, hey, from an investment perspective, it carries over, right? And and you see the direct correlation. And um, yeah, we've got like go to our site and look at our partner link, and you'll see over 120 companies who like target, you know, practice what we preach. And you know, there are many, many out there. Deborah, for for the MacArthur Foundation, have there been like what would you say are like the top three? And it's probably not just three because you're so generous (laughs) and funding on so many dimensions. But what would you say would be kind of the top three areas of impact that have been of of greater priority or or of greater relevance in all that's going on in the world?
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sarah. I mean, it's been an interesting thing because our impact investing work has been built on the pillars of equity, inclusion, and sustainability for 40 years. I we Yeah worked in lots of different ways. We had a big initiative in affordable housing for 20 years. We worked building up this field of community development finance and it was interesting in the last two years to see how some of these things we had worked on for so long suddenly made it kind of front and center into people's awareness. We had a lot of people interested in how to support black and brown entrepreneurs in particular. Well, the good Mm -hmm. news was there were organizations that we already knew about that had grown up, in some cases did have 40-year history. Some cases were much newer, like the Impact America Fund that I mentioned Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. others. So we've been finding for us that one area of impact is just being able to share out, just like in this opportunity today, Sarah, to be able to share out and point two groups like the Opportunity Finance Network and their Finance Justice Fund, and to be able to help people discover what's already in place to help them channel their money in more ways toward their mission, whether that is through public uh, market strategies or private market strategies or both. I do think one thing for me that's been exciting is to see how the venture fund space has become an area for what I would call kind of layered uh, impact and really embedding this this around racial and gender equity. So we've now got funds that have teams led by women of color, which is just rare in the venture field. And they're investing in entrepreneurs of color who we know are historically very underfunded in the venture space. And they're targeting businesses like this Care Academy, whose beneficiary are lower income, disproportionately women of color who work as home health care aides and daycare workers and who can upskill through this platform. So we see this layered uh, approach with deep, deep impact. Um, but in businesses that have potential to scale, be sustainable, mission and money, and to make that impact and maybe one day be in a bucket where Peter uh, and his clients can uh, can invest. So. Um, I think it's changing. It's changing all the time. But at the same time, it's rooted in these same issues that people of color and lower income people don't have access to the capital goods and services that they need. That's what my team focuses on. I invite folks to visit the MacArthur website to learn about all the other amazing work that we do.
1: (laughs) No, and we are, so make sure everybody checks out on our podcast page where we'll post this in like the next 24 to 48 hours. We got a ton of great links and content that our guests have provided on this front. And I, I, uh, I cannot thank you all three enough. What a great discussion. How informative Again, not giving stock tips or investment advice, just guidance on how you might want to navigate the process. <laughs> um, so, all right. Thank you again, Deborah, Orrin, Peter. Thanks for sharing this this hour with me and our incredible audience. And audience, thank you always for listening in. I know Once the summer months hit and the weather gets nice, you don't necessarily wanna be listening to us live, but hey, you can take us along as a podcast wherever you are outdoors. Uh, Voice America, thank you for always giving me, and next up, the opportunity to share our mission, to share our voice, and most importantly, to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like Deborah and Orrin and Peter. So in our show next week, we are going to be talking about the Juneteenth holiday, which is now officially a national holiday. And what we're going to share is what is the history and significance behind this holiday? And we're going to have a few of our partners come in and share how they're going to acknowledge and celebrate this very important day. So listen in because we can give you some great ideas for how you can bring this back to your organization. To learn more about next up and to listen to all of our great podcasts, check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter and thank you for always listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.